and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. Reminders airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. However, tomorrow will be our last show on Sportsnet 360 for the season. The Raptors obviously are done. We are going to podcasts. And uh, yeah, I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. Um, yeah, are we going to just, should we just rename ourselves the, the Heat Show? Uh, yeah, we can do whatever. I, I've want. seen your Twitter, and it's like just constant. Miami I, heat I am slowly joining point. a cult. No, that's um, not slow. There's like ten tweets on your timeline <laughs> right now. I've also started hashtagging Heat Culture. Um, is that their hashtag? Is that yeah, their yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it shows up with the little <sighs> Heat logo. That's pretty. That's pretty. No, nice. what can I say, man? You know, we sat here like two weeks ago, and then we were saying like, oh, the Bucks are gonna sweep either the Bulls or the Heat. Like before they even played their playing game, we had written them off, right? Mm. And I think we we're talking about too during the regular season, like. Should the Celtics be scared of seeing Miami in the first round? Turns out they should have been scared to see them in the conference finals. Mm. Um, couldn't have predicted that. But, yeah, Miami, impressive win last night to, to open the Eastern Conference finals. You know, 46-point third quarter there. You know, yep. Jimmy Butler closing things out. And, of course, we got another Heat culture stat. Um, they tied an NBA record with six players scoring at least 15 points in a playoff game. Okay. So, all somehow, right. Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, Caleb Martin, and Kyle all scored exactly 15. Um just to hit this record. So mm -hmm. impressive. They outscored the Celtics from three. They hit 16 threes to Boston's 10. Yep. And, you know, Kyle Lowry, who they're calling the peach of South Beach. Um, I like that. Shouts to Jasmine Watkins for that. Um, played a huge role off the bench. Hit some key threes there in the second quarter. Um, has generally been playing really well. And there we go. Joe Mazzula tossed a clipboard. Um, didn't use a timeout during the third quarter. Why would you, man? <laughs> Why would you when you have grown mature uh men on the celtics who you know never lose a game one at home uh so there you go he, yeah he'd have now won all three road game ones in these playoffs which is like crazy impressive super impressive because you you come out and you punch your opponent in the mouth right yeah. away now you put all the pressure on the celtics they have to take game two Right. Well, yeah. Hopefully, they'll realize that they're in the conference finals. They yeah. do this every series. No, they do this every series. I, I think it's a perfect confluence of like um, both Miami uh, being a really, really tough team. I also think they came out with a really great strategy. If you noticed one thing, because mm. um, obviously last night you and I were at the Blue Jays game. Uh, huge walk-off home run by Danny Jansen, by the way. Mm. Um, Go DJ. Is that what they say? Uh, that's what I say. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Did you have a good time though? Nine out. Of, I actually had a great time, man. Me, you, yeah. Cash, Wolf on. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing lots of people at the game. Didn't our know boss Joe. DT was at the game. <laughs> Yo, we ran just into ran DT. into our boss. At the I was Blue like, Jays hey, game. man, can we talk biz for 30 minutes? <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> hammered out my off-season schedule. <laughs> this guy was at the Budweiser Lounge, and he's like, we need the room. <laughs> this guy was Kendall Roy, man. We need the room, all right? Um, anyway, so uh, we weren't able to watch all of it live. However, this morning, I came into the office, sat down, mm -hmm. you know, had my lunch, and was like, all right, clear out. Let me watch this game in detail. Yeah, you called it basketball euphoria. That's, I was that's just, I'm going to clean up the language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I was sounding like uh, <clears throat> Roman the way I was describing this basketball game. Um, but, like, some big takeaways. Number one, in, mm. in the macro sense, like, the Heat really did a great job of staying at home on Boston shooters. So you notice in this game, the Celtics went to the rim a lot more. It's a huge um, difference as compared to what they did against the uh, the Sixers, where the Sixers were much more focused on taking away the lane, taking away the paint. Also, Embiid isn't obviously not trying to come out to the perimeter all the time. And when he did, Jason Tatum hit him for like 51 points in the game <laughs> seven. He actually hit him for 51. That's not even an exaggeration. That's, so That's funny, actually man. just the recollection. So 
Um, the Heat played it very differently. They stayed at home on the shooters a lot more. Even when they were helping, they would sort of stunt off the help, but they would never fully commit to the rotation. And I think that really forced the Celtics into driving to the basket over and over again. And the Celtics have that ability to do it, especially now that they have a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who's very good at getting to the rim. Another ball handler they can sort of turn to aside from Tatum and uh, and Brown. But at the same time, I, I do feel like, you know, that does take away from Boston's main strength. Like the way they blow you out is with the three-pointer. And last night, they only took 29. You remember in the Sixers series, Joe Mazzulla's big adjustment, well, one of those was just like, I need you guys to shoot 53s. So if you're telling me the standard is the Celtics want to shoot 53s and you held them to 29 attempts, that's a really, really great defensive effort, first and foremost, from Eric Spolstra. I think that's also partly why, first off, last, yesterday on the show, I, I, I suggested to pick the Heat. I didn't think they would win, but I thought it would be close. Um, but, like, what the, the Heat do is they don't just, like, make adjustments after seeing a game. They make the, they make the right game plan coming into the game. They pre-adjust. Yeah, they literally had the right adjustment coming into this thing. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really well done. I mean, even some of their zone stuff. I mean, I know they got a lot of praise for it. I, I didn't think their zone actually changed a lot of what Celtics wanted to do. But, you know, it for, for them, it was a, a really great job executing on defense. And then offensively, um, obviously Jimmy Butler has uh, the ultimate green light. But, you know, he, he played his game really well. Kyle Lowry had that 13 points um, for the Heat in the second quarter, which – didn't even necessarily give the Heat a lead, but it did erase uh, a bit of an early deficit for um, Miami, and it also sort of kept pace and allowed the game to be close. Because when you look at Miami's bench, like when they're running like Cody Zeller out there, and just back from World War Two. Yeah. Oh my God, man! You might have to send him back to the latrines because he, he he was he was looking stinky <laughs> yesterday. But like it, it just. It, you know, it's not like there's a, a great group of scores that Duncan Robinson's out there. He hasn't made a three recently either. Mm. So it's like the fact that Kyle actually just took over for that group was really, really well done. But again, a really good job by Spo because even though Kyle put them in that position in the second quarter where they were able to sort of regain some momentum and he sort of single-handedly kept them afloat, in the fourth quarter, it wasn't Kyle leading that group. Jimmy Butler was out there with them for the entirety of the fourth quarter, which really allowed uh, Miami to you know, um, keep pace with, with Boston as they sort of make it uh, come back. So it, it just, it was really well managed all the way around. It was a, kind of a classic game for the Heat in terms of this playoff run. And yeah, and all of a sudden, all the pressure is on Boston having lost game one at home. But uh, then again, the Celtics have done that as well. They did that last series too, so. They do this every series. They did this last year too, um, start of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they gave up a 39 to 14 third quarter mm. in game one. Mm. And Miami took that one at home. You know, I think I think you were talking yesterday too. Um, you know, the biggest question coming into the series is like, you know, how is Miami going to score? Right? Where are they sure. going to get their offense from? And everywhere, Every, yeah, the everything, is everywhere. everywhere, all at once. Like they got 120. Oh, I think man. if if they Impressive. beat the Celtics from three um, in these games, the Celtics are just not going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just feel like that's their advantage there. And of course, Jimmy Butler was amazing yesterday. 35 mm -hmm. points, five rebounds, seven assists, six steals. Played the entire second half. And, you know, close that game out. Kevin Harlan had a great call, too, on, on that little bounce three that, that Jimmy got when mm -hmm. he just screamed Jimmy freaking Butler. Yep. And, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, like the, the, the Heat just don't beat themselves. Like, the Heat have a very solid game plan. Mm -hmm. You talk, you heard about, I heard Joe Mazzulla after the game. By the way, Joe Mazzulla a little contentious with the media all the time, a little, little Nick Nurse type. He was just asked yeah. about the timeouts. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, 
getting angry at it. Remember when Nick Nurse denied for like three straight games? He's like, I never double teamed Kawhi Leonard. Why would I double team Kawhi Leonard? It would be like Raptors Grizzlies the next game, and then like Raptors OKC the next game. He'd be like, I didn't double Kawhi Leonard. And I was like, uh, sir, the question was, how are you gonna guard uh, Luka Dort? Sir, this is a Wendy's. Um, yeah, Missoula was also positive, said that we we won three of, out of the four quarters. Oh, brother. Which is pure loser oh talk. I'm God. sorry. That's loser talk. Yo, you don't get to say that when you lose one of the quarters by giving up 46 <laughs> points to Miami. This uh, is not positive thinking. I'm, okay. I'm not accepting this. A couple of things from yeah. the Celtics perspective that I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Number one, a lot of people pointed this out, but why was Peyton Pritchard out there? Every time they put Peyton Pritchard into a game in the playoffs, he looks like a lost kid in the mall. Yeah, that's, like, a, that's, a, that's a former Bob Cousy award winner, man. There some is, respect uh, on double P. That's what Bob Cousy would look like in the modern game because, like, it, it was just guys peeking on him immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, the first possession when he came in the first quarter, um, the, the Heat looked at it. They got the small pick and roll with Kyle coming over to screen. And, getting, and by the way, the Celtics switch a ton, which is their, their strategy, which is fine when they're playing all wings. But when you put Jason uh, or when you put Peyton Pritchard out there, you know, and you're switching him onto Jimmy Butler on purpose, like, you're going to get terrible results. And the first play, Jimmy backed him down, kind of got stuck kicked it out, got the reset immediately in the post, got him even deeper, and then hit a turnaround jumper. Like, he spent 20 seconds of that possession just bullying Peyton Pritchard, and they sort of hit him over and over and over again. Meanwhile, he wasn't really doing anything offensively, didn't really have the ball all that much, um, which is not too surprising considering that the Celtics have a lot better ball handlers and scorers out there. And when he was wide open for threes, he missed those as well. So my question is, what was Peyton Pritchard even doing in this game? I think that what the what they need is probably a little bit more size. I think Grant Williams makes more sense in that case. Even if you want just a guy catching and shooting for threes, like even Sam Hauser, I wouldn't necessarily suggest it because I feel like that's another guy who would get picked on defensively. But, you know, there's adjustments to be made on that front. Um, I also thought that, like, for the Celtics, like, weirdly enough, I, I almost preferred the ball or actions to run through Marcus Smart because there was more of an option to pass. When you saw Jason Tatum attacking, when you saw Jalen Brown attacking, I just don't really feel like they ever pass unless it's, like, the last possible choice. And, you know, it's not like they were bad offensively. Like, Brown was 22 points for 10 to 21 shooting. Like, mostly that was just he couldn't hit threes. But he really gets to the free throw line, you know, it, it, only five assists. And then Tatum, who has the ball a lot, Score 30 points, which is pretty good, but only had one assist. Like, I just don't feel like the offense flows when those guys have it. Um, meanwhile, I think Smart was actually able to really find other guys consistently open and sort of catch the heat by surprise, um, especially when they were playing zone in the first half. So um, I, I think there are adjustments to be made on that front. But defensively, they got to be better against the heat. And I think number one is just, like, stop giving up these switches to Jimmy Butler. You probably have to blitz him. I think that's what the Knicks did really well in terms of stopping Jimmy. But, of course, that allows other guys to sort of pop free. And I thought Bam Adebayo was awesome last night with how aggressive he was. Mm -hmm. Kyle stepped up. And, yeah, this is the nature of the heat. Like, if you take away Jimmy, other guys feel empowered, even though they're role players. Role players feel empowered to take over Mm -hmm. and score. And, and again, watching this because it's the Raptors show, sometimes you think about the Raptors and you're like, I don't know. I I don't ever get that sense from, from the Raptors side of, like, you know, the role players feel that empowered to sort of step up. Like, this is a pressurized moment mm-hmm. in the conference finals on the road. Role, role players were very willing to be aggressive, including Gabe Vincent, who made a huge play down the stretch there to to sort of uh, clinch this game. Yeah, and Jimmy, I thought, looked a lot better than he did that entire Knicks series when, mm-hmm. the, you yeah. know, he was obviously fighting that. that but he wasn't getting doubled. And honestly, yeah. that, Tibbs, Tibbs might deserve some credit. First off, Tibbs coached Butler for a long time. Sure. Basically raised him from a pup. Mm-hmm. Remember when Jimmy was like the 30th pick? Yeah. And with the with, with the Chicago Bulls, and, you know, it, it was under um, Tibbs where he won most improved player and, mm-hmm. and made himself into a rotation player, and obviously he's now what he is. 
like Tibbs actually understood the threat a little bit more than Joe Mazzula did. Well, Joe Mazzula, I think we've established he's a little bit overwhelmed, and I think he will be overwhelmed in this series. Like the Heat have a clear coaching advantage. Yeah. You can say Boston has more talent and stuff. But... No, Boston has more talent, and I thought even Boston was able to puncture the Heat's defense repeatedly. Sure, I think there's probably some adjustments from Spo to be made in terms of okay, yes, they want to sit on the three, mm-hmm. but they probably do need to do a little bit better in terms of plugging um, some of those gaps. I anticipate games where the Heat, you know, take four or five charges. I didn't think they took a single charge last night. Mm. Right, so I think that that's indicative of the fact that the Heat's help defense at the basket wasn't as strong as they needed it to be. So, but those are adjustments that Spo will make even after a win. So I, I know I can trust that. Meanwhile, from the Celtics' perspective, they just kind of have to rely on their talent. Uh, and even though those guys were good, like Tatum and Brown were good, I don't know. I mean, were either of them better than Butler? I don't think so. No, he's the best player on the court, man. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Joe Mazzula, by the way, watches The Town, the movie, four times a week. I don't know how you feel about that. So I, I don't... I, I mean, do you remember The Town? I mean, I watched it once. Yeah. There's just a lot of media fine. out of Boston. Like, you know, like, because there's, <laughs> there's like movies centered out of New York, for example, right? People sure. watch movies centered out of New York or people yeah. watch movies centered out of like LA or whatever. I, I just don't find Boston compelling as like a main character. Yeah, no, that's fair. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it can't just always be good while hunting, you know? But for, uh, for watching the same movie four times a week, though? Yeah. I mean, that, damn. I do. I mean, do you think that was pandering? Like, do you think that that plays well? That gets his Q score up? I don't know, man. Is saving four timeouts a game pandering? I don't get it. Well, maybe he's watching uh, snippets of the town um, on the sideline. Um, I, I think one thing with Butler, and I know you're a big uh, Miami Heat. Like, you're, you're a Heat culture truther at this point. Yeah, I got some right? propaganda for you coming up. Yeah. Here's the thing. Is Jimmy Butler one of those, like, perfect players? Okay. Go this on. Because I think watching this game... Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was impressive, but in terms of just weaknesses, I don't really see a weakness for Jimmy Butler, right? You might say, well, yeah. he doesn't spam threes. Like, that's that's okay, because if you could score otherwise, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to do that. Plus, if you need the key threes, Jimmy Butler will give you those threes. But, like, realistically, you're talking about a guy who can handle the ball, mm-hmm. who can play make, who is low turnover. Yeah. I think go- his playmaking is very underrated, actually. People very don't underrated. talk about that enough. Yep. Super strong, so he's able to bully a lot of even like-size Mitch Masters, like, like yep. Derek White's the same height as him, but mm-hmm. he's able to get to all his spots, pivot, draw double teams, kick out, all that kind of stuff. Super strong. Knows how to draw fouls. Has, like, the, like you know, like, the little bit of the dark arts. He doesn't, but he, he knows how to draw fouls, but he doesn't live on drawing fouls. Right. It's not a Joel Embiid. It's not a, a Jamie Butler, or a Jamie Butler, a James Harden kind of situation yeah. where they got to flail. And, uh, even Trey Young kind of does that a little bit. He just draws, like, he knows how to draw fouls, but he doesn't need to draw fouls. Mm-hmm. Um he can screen as well. He plays a lot of dribble handoffs and stuff like that for the Heat. He's super tough. He will die for loose balls. Obviously, defensively, he's committed. He will take the opposing star player without any complaints. Mm-hmm. He also is really good at help defense. Six steals last night. A lot of that is just him being able to just understand when to sort of zone up. Like a lot of times the Celtics would catch a loose ball and they're kind of jumping out of bounds and they got to throw it in and they throw it towards a crowd. Jimmy Butler is always the guy who wins it from that crowd. Um, he does that. Um, he is obviously clutch, right? You, yeah. You definitely feel like, you know, you're confident in him in crunch time. And he's like pretty low maintenance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like there's something you put him out there and he won't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And he plays with full intensity. Like there, there actually are no gaps in his game. And he's got all the intangibles too. You talk about empowering his teammates, being a leader. Sure. All of that stuff too. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. We all have, it, a, bas- we like, all have like, a basketball crush on Jimmy Butler right now. Trust me. No, absolutely. Like, but it's like, 
you you go through that criteria and you try to apply it to other players. Like mm-hmm. obviously LeBron hits that. Sure. But there's a lot of players in this league who don't hit that. Like you have to make a concession for them at somewhere. Like they can't do this, so we got to mask it. Like for example, mm-hmm. like the MVP, right? Joel Embiid. Like defensively, he's not going to take on the best player. Now, of course, some of that is just him being center, mm-hmm. right? But like that commitment on defense, I don't really know about that. That that commitment to diving on the floor and sort of making those hustle plays, I don't really know about that from Joel. Yeah. Um, By the, the way, did you the see Daryl Morey said yesterday that they're going to try to get more playoff like reps for Joel Embiid? I don't even know what that means. I, I don't know what. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> when, when Nick Nurse was sarcastically saying all the time, "This team needs playoff experience." <laughs> yeah, we're going to be a hard out. <laughs> we're going to be you a know, hard the Bucks out. The Bucks would still be playing right now if the Raptors made it. <laughs> I can't win alone. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but okay, yeah, Embiid, he's got his flaws. He got a lot of flaws. Yep. James Harden got a lot of flaws, mm-hmm. right? Um, you, Tatum, for example, like, there's just certain moments, you just, you don't feel completely sure. Yeah, Sometimes where, I feel where like, was he in the second half of the show? I think he took, like, four shots I saw him the take, second half. I saw him travel twice in the last minute yeah. of the game. Um, Humbly, he's the best player, like, every other game. Yeah, like, talent-wise, I think he can get there, but I, I think, you know, in terms no, of reality, you. in terms of applying it, like, Jimmy really I, has all those intangibles. You never have to question his game coming no, in, which is kind of amazing. No, it what is. What a luxury. Kawhi obviously is one of those guys too, by the way. But I think that's why, like, I think Jimmy never gets talked about in these conversations when, you know, we do the rankings of, like, the top players and, and things like that. And we might need to actually, you know, slot him in sure, into a spot where he's deserving of. And, like, I think in these playoffs, you always talk about, you know, when it, com- when it comes to star players, it's like, you know, how much um, do you feel them in these games, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know you're going to feel Jimmy Butler every game. Sure. You can't say that about a lot of these other and players. And he doesn't even dominate the ball, too. That's the thing. Right. Like, the rest of the Heat offense will run, mm-hmm. and then Jimmy will be like, all right, well, there's nothing happening here with five yeah, seconds some, left. I'll take Sometimes over. it feels like he's like the last resort on offense to them, even. Yeah. Like, which, if they which, need him, he'll be which there. Which is a skill onto itself, too. Like, there's a mm-hmm. humility that sort of comes with that. A lot of people need to be stars. Right. And they need to have the ball all the time. Like, that's the thing with Jimmy. Like, it's, I don't know, man. It's it's really impressive. Like, I, I come through the playoffs every single time thinking, like, I don't know if he has a weakness. Yeah. No, I think if, even if you're, like, if you're drafting players in these playoffs right now, I think after Jokic, I would take Jimmy. Yeah. I don't I, even, I, I don't even I know if good. there's another player that I would want in a seven-game series. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, um, and I was thinking, too, so, like, you know, in the summer of 2019, this is after the Raptors won the championship. Like, the 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 big deal was, like, you know, you know, Ka- uh, Kawhi and PG joined up with the Clippers, right? Sure, yeah. They've gotten to one conference finals and have won three series mm-hmm. in this four-year span. You know, Katie and Kyrie joined up. Mm-hmm. Zero conference finals, one playoff series win. Yep. Meanwhile, Jimmy has three conference finals appearances and has won seven playoff series. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we talk so much about superstars coming together. Like, you know, even now we talk about like, oh, Duran and Booker, what they might look like moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I think what's more important, like you said, is like having that one player, like a Jimmy, and then having a team that you can build around and having that culture, I all that stuff Iguodala. that you want to talk about. <laughs> God, that's going to be me next week shouting, I want Chris Quinn, man. We need to get Chris Quinn. Oh, t- yeah. No, I, <laughs> Even I, I, if it's a stepped-on product. <laughs> I, I think the thing, too, is just like, okay, would Jimmy, like, mm-hmm. did he access this level consistently before I got to Miami? And I think that's where the level of coaching and the organization, sure. like, that's where that aspect comes in. Because, yes, you have that with Jimmy Butler, but, like, what mm-hmm. did you see in Chicago when he was there? What do you see in Minnesota? It was like, oh, he's feuding with the organization. You heard a lot sure. of negative reports. I mean, Even Philly was the same deal, right? Think about it. Last year, there was a very publicized shouting match between him and Spo. Sure, but yeah. in Miami, it's healthy. 
It's yeah. healthy, right? Like they're all on the same page. And yeah. that was a heat of the moment stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, that's a flirting versus harassment meme right there. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, no, I'm really all in, man. No, but like, <laughs> I, I do think that like that organization, it, it like synergizes top down with a guy like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like right, they right. need a, a, a culture driver like that. And and the, the, the quickness in which Jimmy has been able to embed himself in that organization, mm -hmm. like, he does. It's not necessarily all about him, but he also embodies everything that organization stands for. Yeah, people you know listen. I mean? People so. were shocked when he chose Miami, right? Because Miami was not. Well, I mean, a first contender. off, Miami didn't even have cap space. So yeah. I don't even know how they did that. <laughs> right. They like sign and traded like Josh Richardson. Right, or something. there was a sign and trade. Um, but Miami was not a contender when he joined them. Everyone, no, no, no. like this was not a James Harden going to Houston situation. But it was also seemed like, oh, what's Jimmy doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's on this Philly team that looks like they're gonna be a contender. Why is he going to Miami? They've got all these bad contracts. Like, who's yeah. their next star? And, you know, I, I just love the story of him going there and believing in the organization, like, believing in himself. And, like, it's so impressive. And, like, I actually don't understand, um, you know, why this series isn't looked at coming into the series as just more of an even matchup. Mm -hmm. It's adults versus kids, man. Like, we've seen the Celtics over and over again. Why we keep giving the Celtics a better for the doubt? Listen, they're super they talented. Have more, they have more talent. They though. have That's more talent. But it's like, talent versus execution at this point. Yeah, the, and the it's like, listen, the series is not over, right? Like, it's no, one it's game. One game yeah. Boston's going to bounce back. I expect this to be a long series. But I don't know, man. Like, Miami's not just, like, a cute eight-seed story. Like, I think they can just go through to the finals and give themselves a chance. Like... Yeah, no, and also when you played, have one of these guys, like <laughs> they played for so long that Tyler Hero actually might come back at some point. Yeah. This guy broke his head in game one against Milwaukee. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah, he's heading to the summer. No. And now he might reappear and spawn in the finals. <laughs> yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it, that's the thing though. That Spo's just able to just bring guys off. <laughs> like, like who are some of these players no, he that legit, come in? He just peels these guys off, man. It's like, ridiculous. I've never really been that impressed by Caleb Martin. Right? No, I got to say, Caleb Martin is, is a really good but player. But he's been man. great. He's yeah. been great for them in the playoffs. Yeah. Every time, by the way, a Heat player goes off in the playoffs, I immediately go to their cap sheet. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. I just know they have this kind of discount. They have they have Caleb Martin for $6 million a year for the next three years. Oh. That's what the Raptors are paying. For the next three? That's what the Raptors when did are paying. They, when did they sign him up? Last what? summer. Oh, my God. That's what the Raptors paid Ken Burch. You know, you know who's the Caleb Martin of this era? Caleb Martin, man. Holy respects, man. But that's the that thing. But, but that's the thing. Caleb wasn't anything in other organizations. Sure. Bring him some in here, and all of a sudden, you know, he, hey, that's a two-way. But this, this is this what, would be yeah. like if Utah became yeah. like a critical player. No, no, no. And, this, and played in the playoffs. This, and, and made this, this is if like, like Utah, that. DeAndre Bembry, like this is if five of those guys became rotation that's, players. That's their Jalen yeah. Harris. This is if two of those guys became starters. Right, like this is what they've been able to Vincent do. Vincent was that's what yeah. Ma the Max Drews was and, and, like. And, and you think about the Heat, like they've made so many blunders too in the past, like half decade, um, post LeBron. Like remember all the long term contracts that they mm, signed, like yeah. Dion Waiters, Tyler James Johnson, Johnson, Tyler Johnson, all these guys. Yeah. And they they've been able to weather it. Signing Jimmy was a huge thing. I even got to give Bam out of bio credit too. Like I've been impressed oh, with him in these playoffs. I've been really impressed with him in these playoffs. And that's so. the thing too. I, I do wonder for a guy like Bam, like would he have grown to be this type of player? In a different organization. Right, right. And you know that's I mean? where you give credit to the player development, yeah. to all this culture that you talk about. And, and and you know what culture looks like is like, okay, so you know, we talked about Jimmy being great. Sure. You know, we talked about other guys being with the make threes or whatever. There was a play in the fourth quarter where three Miami Heat players mm -hmm. dove for a loose ball on the yeah. same play. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing. Like the, the Heat are this kind of team where they make you wax poetic about guys diving on the floor. Mm -hmm. But you had um, Bam in a scrum. Then um, Martin jumped in, then Vincent jumped in, and then Bam eventually tied it up. Wins the jump ball. The Heat go the other way. 
and they make a, you know, they score, I think, a three or a two or something like that, but they score on the next play. Mm-hmm. Huge. And then another play where Bam is jumping one-on-four against the, the Celtics. Now, he was the biggest guy there, but he jumps one-on-four. He's able to at least win a tie-up. He doesn't necessarily get the rebound, but he wins the tie-up, jumps it, wins it again, and the Heat score again on that kind of play. That's what culture is. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, guys playing that hard. And I think it's, too, it's just like the other aspect, too, is just obviously that's what the standard that Spo sets, right? Mm-hmm. In addition to that, also Spoh's just a great tactician. There was a play, I think, in the second quarter where um, Stan Van Gundy and Reggie Miller were were practically just, like, giggling on the sidelines, being like, oh, my God, did they just run floppy action? Because mm. floppy used to be, like, the go-to play. Floppy was probably run as much as, like, basically pick and roll in the early 2000s, right? You have a shooter coming off, you know, two screens on one side of the floor, and then, you know, you, you make a decision. Like, there's a couple of things that you can do with that. But basically, you have a shooter sort of situated in the paint, running off of two shoot- screens, right? A guy like Reggie Miller, nostalgic for that, because that's probably the play he ran the most in his career, set, set, set action-wise, right? A guy like Stan Van Gundy, who was, a, you know, a longtime head coach, probably ran it all the time. I mean, he had J.J. Redick on his team, for example, right? Um, and a number of shooters back when he was in Orlando, or even when he was in Miami, right? Mm. And they ran floppy for Max Strews coming off two screens. Now, uh, part of the reason why that's not run so much now is because teams switch a lot. So the Celtics just switched it, and, and Strews wasn't even open. But the butler decides, okay, he's handling the ball on the other side. He's like, okay, the play's not working. Goes the other way, drives baseline, gets deep in the paint, and then shoots a short jumper over Derek White. Like, there's also that, that coaching aspect that sort mm-hmm. of brings up all this talent, too. So I, I just think, yeah, Miami is just a really – well-oiled machine from yeah, top down. And that's what you saw in game one was was just more heat culture. I, unfortunately, you and I, over the course of the last two months, have just slowly become, you know, um, Jason Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Blood red. Go Yo, listen to that episode. He I, was right, unfortunately. That, really that become, man was spitting. I have really become Toronto Jason Jackson. <laughs> but it's true, though. Like, they just play they just play great basketball. So. No, I think I think... This this series honestly going to be a referendum, man, on on culture versus talent, man. Yeah, culture versus talent. Um, anyways, um, just a reminder before we do, uh, go to break, as Will mentioned earlier, um, in the show with the Leafs now eliminated too early yet again, and the Raptors long gone. We're shifting our programming at five ninety next week. The Raptor show, like Will mentioned, will be a daily pod. Uh, Monday to Friday, usually have about four to five episodes a week for sure, covering the rest of the NBA playoffs. And of course, all the Raptors news, the NBA draft, and into free agency. And a reminder for people listening, Kipper and Bourne will be moving to the 2 to 3 p.m. slot on Sportsnet 590 starting next Tuesday. So subscribe to the pod. Yeah. So um, before we go to break, do you want to tease what we have? Oh, uh, yeah. We we teased it all last week. So we will have uh, Suichi Tirada. Boston Will Lou, who a few weeks ago, um, you know, many people sent me photo because um, he was in the background of a Grant Williams scrum in the locker room. Right. And, you know, facial hair, head shape um, looked very similar <laughs> to Will Lou. Okay. And, you know, thanks to a friend of the program, Michael Pino, was able to connect with Suichi. And, you know, he is uh, going to come on to, to talk about, to tell his side of the story. Um, <laughs> this feels like an Oprah Winfrey <laughs> special a, a little bit yeah, uh, yeah, yeah but we'll also because he is covering the celtics he's yeah. a celtics beat writer for masslive.com we will ask him uh, why joe Missoula brings four timeouts home to his family every game <laughs> all right so we're gonna take that break i've been your host willu you've been listening to the raptor show on the sports night radio network have you checked out bet rivers yet download the bet rivers online casino and sportsbook app today get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options plus don't forget about brett rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service 
It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers Online Casino and Sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connect Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the JD Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsline Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. I'm joined uh, by producer and co-host Alex Wong. And finally, we are joined by my twin, my tether down in Boston, Celtics beat writer, <laughs> Sweechi Tarada of MassLive.com. What's going on? I hear you're at Celtics practice right now. So, yes. um, yeah, how you doing? Yep. I'm great. Uh, they pushed back practice about an hour. For this? I had this whole plan. No, no, oh. not quite. Okay, sorry. But, <laughs> yeah, it was basically supposed to be at 1230, but then it got pushed back to 130. So I figured I'd just do it here. So, yeah, a little bit of a depressing mood here at the Celtics practice facility, but we'll see how they do after tomorrow. Yeah, we're not big fans of the Celtics here, so it's a, it's a. <laughs> Sorry, we just did thirty minutes of praising well, the on heat, heat culture, we're, we're diving on loose balls. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. Well, but I didn't grow up a Celtics fan, so I think uh, I, I, I can relate to those feelings. Would go with that as somebody not from Boston. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Well, listen, Sweetie, I'm really glad you, you're here to join us, and we do want to talk about um, Celtics Heat in a bit. But you know, first of all, you know, the um, the viral photo of of you as as the Will Lou lookalike you know, caused an uproar in this city. And, you know, I know I connected with you, <laughs> messaged you about it. Um, so what was your side of the story? Were you getting any, uh, you know, messages from from people about this? What's going on? Yes, I didn't get any messages from any Toronto people until I was found. Then I saw a bunch of tweets and everything. But I remember actually, so it's kind of a three and a half parter. I'm trying to make it quick. No, no, take your time with this. Yeah, yeah this is the main. <laughs> okay. We've been hyping this up for weeks. Yeah. Don't worry, man. This is what Joe Mazzulli said the timeouts for. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Celtics fans that. Uh, but yeah, so okay. So I remember back in, I think it was January, Celtics Raptors. That was my first time in Toronto since uh, COVID. So I was kind of like looking forward to it. I love Toronto. I love the Asian culture. They're the Asian food there. Yep. So I remember I was at the games. I was at pregame and I was just sitting down, minding my own business. Don't really know anybody on Raptors media. But somebody, I forgot who it was, but they were like, hey, Will. And I'm like, who, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and so <laughs> I feel like initially you're always like, I feel like as an Asian guy, you're always kind of like, what what just happened here? Like, right. I, did I just get racially profiled? Like, is this a problematic thing? Right, like, right, right. Immediately my red flags go up. And so I think I saw you, Will, like yeah. on the other side of the room, right. like when Nick Nurse was speaking. Got you. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I kind of see it, but I didn't really think anything about it. So yeah, I yeah. just went, went about my day, went about the game or whatever. And so that was part one. And so I, at the back of my head, I was like, I remember this. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is this is like a thing, but it's nothing like it. I hasn't gotten to this point yet where I'm on a radio show with you guys. Um, but then part two, I remember Celtics Raptors in April. I, I think it was a back-to-back games in, in Boston. I forgot what it, I think it was. I forgot her name, but I believe the sideline reporter. Savannah is, Hamilton. Yeah, Savannah. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. She... Once again, I was just minding my own business. I was on press row in Boston. <laughs> this guy's and just trying to do his job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what she worked, <laughs> yeah, so I was just, I was just, you know, I just went up the stairs, went up to my normal seat, and I think Savannah was like a row in front of me. Mm-hmm. And so she just comes up to me. She's like, hey, I'm Savannah. You don't know me, but you look just like this guy in Toronto. And I was like, oh, okay. And so it, 
I, I knew it was serious though because she showed me like the creep shot she took of me and i was like oh okay like this is like this is like a legitimate thing because yeah, yeah like i said i had seen you before and i was like oh okay all right yeah. so we do look alike it's to the point where people are talking about it and so that was that was part two and then part three of this just to kind of wrap it up was alex the day the night before you texted me actually I was in Philadelphia for game six and I was getting a few drinks with some Sixers reporters. And for some reason we got to talk, we got to talking about Will and how we look alike. Like I kid you not literally the night before, um, we were just like, yeah, this guy in Toronto looks just like me. We pulled up pictures and everyone's like, wow, okay. I can see it. Like, Will's a little bit like bigger than you, but we can see it. Mm-hmm. And so then I wake up the next morning and I, I wake up to a text from Alex. I was like half awake reading it. I'm like, Oh my God. I, you know, so I was like, Oh, Somebody was clearly like wiretapping my conversations or something. Mm. Um, and the last half part about this is that Amy, I believe, yep. she, uh, so obviously last night was game one, Heat Celtics. She was like, are you the Boston Will Lou? Once again, just minding my own business. And yeah, I was like, yeah. apparently I am. Right. I cannot believe this story has involved uh, going back to January in, in the media room uh, during global, a Nick man. Nurse press conference. It's involved Savannah Hamilton, yeah. uh, who's a teammate of ours, and mm-hmm. Amy Otterbert, a former teammate of yep. ours. The Boston Will Lou has good, this is the number one story in the NBA media circles right now. <laughs> Yeah, and Amy was like, she was like, make sure they know I listen to the show, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, of course, of course, the night before I was supposed to come on here, somebody has to get one last Boston Will Lou mentioned it before I joined. So it was a, uh, it was a long journey to get here, but I'm glad to be here. I'm very happy. My girlfriend finds this hilarious. I think she's listening right now. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the story to put a bow on it. Yeah. Um, wow, Asian Heritage Month, by the way. Yeah, we, 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 yeah we, no, we, this is great. We're kicking it off yeah. strong. Well, t- Toronto, Toronto, Suichi Tirada here. Do you have anything to say to that whole story <laughs> that Boston Will Lou just told? No, it's it's funny because me and Alex always joke because like, me and Alex genuinely look nothing alike. Um, yeah. But people still confuse us at the uh, arena and not just like fans, like uh, media members. <laughs> yeah, we, we cannot name them at the uh, moment, but okay. it has, okay. happened. It has so, happened. So like, yeah. I'm not surprised that this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wait, and actually, I was going to ask you, like, well, do you, do you think you guys look alike? Yeah. Kinda, okay. Yeah, kinda, okay. Yeah. Okay. We, okay. we kind of got the same hairstyle. Okay, okay. That's, you know? that's what I want to know. Like, it's the, the one big thing too is like, um, well, actually two things. One is that the head shape, um, yeah. There is like a boxiness <laughs> to both our heads, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I agree with I, that. I'd love to know your uh, 23 and Me results. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and I think the other two thing is just like there's not that many Asians with facial hair, like, sure. consistent right. facial hair coverage. Yeah. I'm actually quite jealous mm-hmm. of Sweet Cheese's uh, facial hair coverage. Yeah, so, I'm actually getting it a lot, a lot cut off today, but I appreciate that. Okay. I do take a lot of pride in my facial hair as an Asian guy. You should. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite good. <laughs> so yeah, we need we need your background actually. One of the things because I I know I'm I, I'm. My parents are just Chinese, and that's I actually there's not that exciting to be honest. Uh, but yeah, I need to hear about your background. Yeah, so I'm actually three quarters Japanese and quarter Korean. Mm. My Got you. mom's dad was from Korea, so I remember mm. when the KBO was playing mid pandemic, I became a huge Giants fan, loved the Giants fan because my grandpa was from Busan, and I was like, oh. I need some kind of sports. So okay. that is my background. Mm. I can't speak Japanese though, which is pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, more Japanese than Korean, but mm. yeah. Okay. That's amazing. I, it might be the Korean side because my, yeah, my, so. my family is from like very north of China, like on the border mm. with Korea. Mm. So maybe, okay. maybe. Oh, you know what? I actually have a funny story with that. I have okay. a friend here in the Boston sports media market. She just found out. She's like, the, just like you mentioned, the 23andMe thing. Mm. Her mom did one and she found out like her mom was like 40% Korean or something according oh. to this test. Oh, is this so Abby she was like, oh. or someone? 
No, not oh, Abby. Not okay. Abby. Um, though I did mention this to Abby, and Abby was like, "Oh, I know those guys." I'm like, "Of course you do, Abby." Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so she just found out she's like roughly the same amount Korean as me, which was uh, kind of fun. So now we say we are just two fellow Koreans hanging out in Boston. Wow. No, this is amazing, man. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm blown away. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a Korea-Japan trip this summer, so I'll be hitting you up. <laughs> oh, wow. Soon. Okay. Yeah. yeah no. be I've been you back, up. actually. I've been back to Japan in like now 13 years. I'm, trying to, I'm oh, wow. actually also trying to go back this summer during the offseason. Once mm. the Celtics run, whatever, however long it takes is over. Yeah, no, that's amazing, man. Uh, before before we get to real basketball questions, do you yeah, want to know? He is a reporter, after all. <laughs> yeah. a very relevant series. No, this is great. I mean, Asian heritage. Uh, <laughs> I love talking about my Asianness. This is great. Yeah. No, I love this. You know, Will mentioned the head size. Like, he has a lot of trouble wearing uh, baseball hats in general. Um, <laughs> even like snapbacks. Like, he actually has just has to snap the back of the hat in order to fit on his head. Like, do you wear a oh, lot wow. of hats? Like, like how how's your head size situation? I'm I'm disappointed to say I think I have a pretty normal sized head. Oh. <laughs> there goes yeah, the comp. There goes yeah, the I don't comp. really quite have any issues wearing hats or anything like that. Though my friend who is part Korean, she as she said, she had also has a giant noggin. So uh, we're really putting a. This has really come full circle when it comes to head size. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've told the story previously, uh, but I'll say it here too. So I, I once went to a bike shop because. You know, my partner was quite concerned. Um, she was like, you know, you need to wear a helmet. You, you ride a scooter everywhere. Uh, you should probably wear a helmet. I'm like, yeah, I agree. So we, we went to the, the, the bike shop and we, we tried on like the largest helmet there. It just wasn't fitting, right? Like it just, it, it's a horrible feeling. Like I know it's funny, but it, I generally feel bad sometimes for myself. Mm -hmm. And then the guy comes up to me. He's like, yo, man, it's not your head. It's you just got it. You just need an Asian helmet. And I was like, what does that even mean? So apparently they cut them in different ways. I think we have like, oh. a little bit more of like a, a maybe a rounder rather than sort of an oblong situation. So it's maybe partially because of the shape. But no, also, I, I wear like a platform nine and three quarters like Harry Potter. Or something, wow. So. <laughs> no, it's a it's it's a difficult situation. Also saw because people started seeing the comparisons and someone sent um, I guess they search your name and, 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 you know, other words. And they found that you had visited Montreal. Um, oh I believe last year, and you're and you're a huge fan, and you know I don't you know I don't know if you know this, but like uh, actual Will Lu, also a huge fan of Montreal, and spent most okay. of the summer there mm. Um, mm -hmm. last year. So we'd love to hear your review of Montreal. Maybe you guys ran into each other last wow, summer without realizing. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I think I was there last August. My girlfriend yep. really wanted to go. It's actually only like a five-hour drive from, from Boston, Boston yeah, so we yeah, made yeah. the drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm from the Midwest, so like driving like eight hours is like a day trip for me so i was like all right i'm totally down to go but it was great i love montreal we did like a food tour which was a lot of fun nice went on the water stayed in this like super nice marriott as you guys know nba writer i have a lot of marriott points to burn so <laughs> I, it was really funny because my girlfriend was like oh like this lounge thing i didn't know this existed i'm like yeah it's great and then we got like a lot of drinks and stuff and she's like wow you this is how you live, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it is how I live. This is pretty awesome, huh? So, wow. <laughs> oh, Montreal was awesome. Um, yeah. We're actually, I was actually going to float a Toronto idea to her this summer just because I love Toronto. Yo, let's love do it. Back. Yeah, no, like Toronto is one of my favorite cities in the NBA. Uh, I think people like don't quite understand. I also like the cold. I'm from Michigan, so mm -hmm. I've always mm -hmm. grown up like in the cold. I've gone to Toronto a lot when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So overall, like I, you know, the Canadian cities, man, I wish, uh, I wish Montreal had an NBA team just so I could go there more. I know they had the preseason game. Well, otherwise, yeah, yeah. I, I really like Montreal. I really like Toronto. Okay, you know what? Uh, what we have to do is when you come to Toronto, whether that's for mm -hmm. work or for, you know, pleasure, and yeah, we got to meet up. We got to take a photo, post it on our account. <laughs> Alice is gonna get like a thousand likes and retweets. It's easy In the first for him. hour. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, we'll probably go to karaoke. You know, because oh yeah, Asians no, that too. sounds yeah. great. We got to take you to Koreatown. Yeah. Uh, have you been to Toronto, oh, okay. Koreatown? 
I don't think so. I think I like walked around it, but you know, if a local is down to guide me, I am I am totally down for that. I think I know you guys mentioned you guys love ramen. I am just a huge ramen snob. Oh, so yeah. if you guys can mm, point me you. in the right direction there, I, I would be very appreciative of that. Yeah, I, I know Alex had a question in this rundown, so I'm just gonna steal it. Have you been to <laughs> ramen with an NBA player? Because that was a big storyline on the show last year. I was trying to get Utah to go with him. <laughs> even though and Utah, even though we interviewed him like ten times. Utah had agreed to push get ramen, the three of us. And and Will did not Will did not secure <laughs> oh, Utah Watanabe's number. Ooh. So what happened was when we when he sat down for a one on one interview when he sat down with uh Fred Van Vliet for a one-on-one -on -one interview, he mm -hmm. actually handed a piece of paper with his number to Fred and told Fred to pass it on to Utah. And we're oh. pretty sure Fred just threw that out. You know the Jimmy Butler meme? <laughs> yeah, he just scrunched it yeah, up yeah, and then just tossed it. And then it never happened. And then when Utah announced officially he was leaving Toronto and mm -hmm. Will saw that, um, you know, Utah was packing up his condo on Instagram... Um, you know, and it's a long story, but I was running Will's Instagram account at the time. He had asked oh, me to make a last ditch effort to DM Utah Watanabe, one of the most famous <laughs> basketball players and just celebrities in Asia and hoping that he would see the one message request asking him oh, for Robin. It, it wasn't even a message, you're right. It's a request. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> we don't even follow each other. Anyways, wow. that's a long way of asking, have you ever gone to ramen with an NBA player? Yeah. Unfortunately, no. I think I can put that on the bucket list, though. I do have a few spots around the NBA circles. Hmm. Um, I do think, so obviously, my being Japanese helps. So I actually speak to a lot of Japanese media members, which is one of the coolest parts, I think, oh. of my job. Mm -hmm. I remember actually last year at the finals, uh, I heard a few reporters speaking in Japanese, and I was going to go say what's up to them because I could speak the language. Mm -hmm. And then they were immediately like, oh, you're Suichi. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess uh, you guys already know me. Uh, nice, they were man. like, yeah, we saw your name. And I'm like, I guess it is kind of hard to hide that you're Japanese when your name is Suichi Tarada. So I, was, uh, I, I might have to ask them that, though, because uh, some of them are based in New York. I guess I don't know where Utah will be next season, but they usually deal with him in Brooklyn a lot. So maybe uh, if you are in Brooklyn, and for some reason I am in Brooklyn, a lot of we can we can make that happen still. Okay. If, if Suichi right. goes to ramen with Utah before you, that would actually be the perfect end God to this story. Man, I think he has a much higher chance. Of Yo, he goes with Boston, Will Lou. That'd be amazing. All right, any other lookalike questions? No, no, that's it. Actually, we have, Boston, it. We have Boston Celtics now we have, questions. Now we have Celtics questions. <laughs> we, have, we have five minutes for Celtics. We have five questions. minutes right. uh, for uh, Suichi, man. Why are the Celtics like this every series? What what is wrong with them? <laughs> that is a great question. I also asked them. And uh, I ask all the fans. I think the fans especially are sick of it, though. To be fair, they're Celtics fans, so they're very spoiled in that regard. So mm -hmm. I think they have a little bit of a twisted view on that. But to actually answer your question, I just think this is how they are. Like, this is just, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where, like, why are you the way that you are? That's just how they are as, like, a team. Mm -hmm. Because this, like you said, like, it happens every series. Like, they just lose some game. I think I was going to look it up. But, like, their third home game, so basically game five or six, depending on home court, I don't think they've won that in like the last two seasons and they have a finals appearance. So it's just kind of like, how, how is this happening? You know? So it's just, it's very strange. I think it starts at the top though. Like realistically, like, like last night, Jalen was like, we were playing too cool. Marcus was like, we get bored with the little things. And I'm like, you guys are the leaders of the team. Like, I think you guys should probably, you know, and they did, mm -hmm. did take accountability last night, but it's just kind of like, come on guys. Like it's the Easter conference finals. Like you guys have been here so many times. Like why, why are these letdowns happening? But to answer your question, though, that's just who they are, I think. And I just, I, I've been telling fans that. And I'm just kind of like, you just have to live with it just because this, it just, I don't think it's going to change at this point. Like, it's, this happened with Brad Stevens, this happened with Emil Doka, and now it's happening with Joe Mazzula. And I, that's why I don't think it's like a coaching issue. I just think that's just how this team's core operates sometimes. And, you know, that could keep them from winning another championship because they had a great chance last year. Yeah. Um, 
typical question between game one and game two, but what kind of uh, adjustments do you anticipate from Boston's perspective? Because obviously yeah. game two is now a must win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm very curious to see what they do with Rob Williams and the double big lineup just because so I thought they should have maybe gone to that a little earlier against the Sixers because obviously it worked in game six and seven. And a big thing with Rob in the lineup, I thought, was the Celtics can kind of lean into their defensive identity, which mm-hmm. they built up a lot last season. Right, and, and they were a top offense and top defense this year, but it just felt like a lot of the talk, a lot of the narrative felt very offensive-focused just because that's how Joe likes it, which is totally fair. They were one of the best teams in the league. I'm not going to criticize that. But I am curious to see, like last year, like you saw it immediately in the first quarter, and I don't, you know, like Rob put up good offensive stats. I think he was 6 for 6, 14 points or something. Mm-hmm. But he did not, like he was getting hunted, you know, by Jimmy, like pretty much in fr- from the first quarter on. I, I remember I turned to my B partner, who helped Michael Pina get my number, by the way. And oh, I was okay. like, yo, they're they're hunting Rob a lot here. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do here. So I'm curious to see if they start that tomorrow and, and kind of go from there. Um, Joe, we actually, uh, like I said, we were at Celtics practice just now. And Joe kind of had an interesting response to the double big starting lineup. So I think that's kind of where you start. Mm. I am curious to see if they'll play Peyton Pritchard. That was very unexpected, yeah. uh, especially because they have a Grant Williams, even a Sam Hauser on the bench who, who can space the floor and maybe give you a little bit more defensively. So... A lot of factors here, but I think I think you start with a double big lineup just because it felt like it felt like that was just Spo being like, okay, this is what we're gonna do, and then it worked as we saw yesterday, especially in that third quarter. Yeah, I, I know the Celtics like switch a lot. That's that's really mm-hmm. a lot what they do. But can they maybe not concede some switches that are a little <laughs> bit more problematic, where it's like Jimmy Butler's going one on one against Jimmy, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Peyton Pritchard or one on one against Robin Williams? Yeah, I, I just think that's just like. I don't know. It's a little lazy to say that's who they are once again, but okay. that's just kind of how they are, you know? And the, another thing, too, is that there have been a few times, uh, especially in Sam Hauser's case, where the Celtics occasionally, like, preferred if they did switch it and, you know, they're, like, their supposed weakest guy got hunted just because it kind of, like, messes up the flow. But against the Heat, I just don't think that's going to work. Mm. And and it's it's I think that's one area they will, they will kind of look at. But I, I think it just starts with that double big lineup just because... Rob just didn't play a great game, and, and he's a great player, and I and I like Rob a lot, but it's just it just wasn't working in game one. Fair, fair. All right, um, Sweetie, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. We got to meet up in Toronto. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Great. No, let's keep in touch, man. I'm really glad yeah. we we got to connect through this mm-hmm. uh, lookalike situation, and your side of the story exceeded all expectations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I could not believe this dates back to January. Now we need to track down the person who called you Will. Back in January, so the investigation oh, could be in Toronto, huh? Mm. Yeah. Yes, I believe it was a Toronto person. I don't. Yeah, there were only a few. Bu- or send me a description after via text. Ooh, we'll, we'll I don't know. Was you guys media, might have was to. Was it media? Was it staff? Was it was it <laughs> NBA personnel? <laughs> I yep. think it was media. I think okay. you guys might have to get security footage or something because I have no clue. We're very we're plugged was. in. We, 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 will get, we will get to the bottom <laughs> of this. The person who called you, Will, is probably listening. Right nah, you, you better be sweating right now, whoever you are. <laughs> no, no, I will say, I will say, when it comes to Asian lookalikes, like, I think this might be the yeah. standard that we're looking for. Yeah, like, The Simu thing at the All-Star, All-Star game was a little bit, I was like, oh, okay, like, that's that's actually problematic. But I think this right. one, uh, this one is this one I can, yeah. yeah. This, this one <laughs> no, is organic. Okay. This one is organic mm-hmm. in that you guys actually do look alike. Um, all right. We'll talk to you soon, sweet. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. All right. Wow. That, that really did exceed expectations. I, I'm in a great mood. 
Why? Because you have a twin? No, no. It's just his story was 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 very funny. I no. didn't realize how many steps it took to get to this point. Shouts to Amy. Shouts to Savannah. Obviously, friends of the program. Always yeah, I cannot us. believe this involves so many people. The fact that this storyline has reached the conference finals, yeah. where Amy Otterbird is coming up to Suichi before a game and calling him Boston Willu is just incredible. Also, Amy, we know you listen to this show, right? We know. Come on. We're gonna get Amy on. We'll get Amy on during this. We series. actually have to get if Amy she's on not too busy. Yeah. Um and and have her chat he culture. Who's gonna say he culture more, you or Amy? Uh, probably Amy. I gotta say. Yeah, because we a- did Amy's... run into her at the WNBA game over the weekend. She was part of the. Broadcast she was the crew. first person that we saw in the arena. Yeah, and then she immediately came up to us, just like one. I listened to your show. All right, two. And uh, he culture is real. Jokes. Yeah, she's, she's like, like culture is real. Jokes. And I was like, within a minute, we didn't. All we said was, "Hi, Amy, how are you doing?" <laughs> and she said, "He culture is real." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you really get indoctrinated when you get down there. Yeah, that's why we gotta be careful what we say on here, yeah. man. Anyways, Lakers Nuggets tonight. Any, is that what uh, you want to save time for? Yeah. What do you want to save time for? The Blue Jays game last night. Oh yeah. Shouts yeah. to Joe Wolfon. Had no idea his fandom ran that deep. Yeah, hey, Joe Wolfon at the game was me at uh, every Raptors game. Yeah, you were super chill, super optimistic. It was good to see that other side of you. I'm not invested in that. It was like I was yeah. super optimistic in the Leafs. I was just like, every time yeah. I went to overtime, I'm like, wow, the Leafs are going to score. You know, we had, we had right. great seats courtesy of, um, you know, shouts to Ali Khan, of course. You got some great footage. I saw him sprinting onto the field to, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. to capture some great social Ali footage Khan, after you know, Danny Jantz's three-run You know, glad to, glad to see a uh, well-run uh, team social account. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> by the way... <laughs> By I the way, so hard I hit my nose on the mic. Um, who is running the Raptors social account? <laughs> no show comment. yourself, man. No comment. No, literally, show yourself. No comment. The, um, the, the tweets are, are tough because, you know, in the past, we, we can say <sighs> Raptors PR will sometimes be like, hey, are, are you guys sure you guys want to send this tweet? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. not like a, hey, we're going to run your account, but just like a, hey, you know, like, you know, chill. Mm-hmm. You know, like I need to show Raptors PR the Raptors account because whoever's saying like, it's like you guys didn't even check who the thirteenth pick was. Like, yo, listen, when you got the thirteenth pick in the lottery, you just got to take it on the chin and just accept it. There's not like, oh, Kobe was taking thirteenth, or or Devin Booker was taking thirteenth. Like, no, please, what are we doing? Got to have a good account? read of the fan base, man. The that's legit, why, like you, just let Alex run it until you guys hire the next person. Or that's something. why the like, show works, man. So, anyways, know. all good. Shouts to all people in this uh, industry. No, we're, we're about to get a text message after that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's not my fault they were trailing sixty-one to twenty-nine in Boston. Um, I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> the team did. Anyways. Oh, so this is a great show. So. Yeah, it's uh, great. We have 20 seconds. Left. I'm looking forward to the game Lakers tonight, Lakers Nuggets It's going to be great. Honestly, the whole conference finals are, are Lakers are have enough. Can't, Lakers can't. have enough. I don't know, they man. Do I think it. Nuggets go to up 2-0. But anyway, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willow, and you've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks once again to Sweetie Tarada, uh, our producer, Derek Vandale, producer and co-host Alex Wong, Jennifer Olnick for helping behind the scenes. And we'll be back to talk basketball tomorrow.